You are Locked On Patriots, your daily New England Patriots podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all of you Foxborough faithful. You are now locked in to the Locked On Patriots podcast. It is Friday, September 3rd, 2021, and it's time for a little Fox on Friday here on your daily home for news, notes, and analysis infused with the occasional opinion on your six-time Super Bowl champions, the New England Patriots. And don't forget, Pats fans, the NFL season is about to begin, and nobody covers it like the Locked On Podcast Network. August 30th through September 8th, Locked On's Ultimate Season Preview is taking you through every team and every division with the help of Odyssey's Ross Tucker and Jason Lockenfora. Follow the Ultimate Season Preview 2021 feed on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Greetings and salutations, Patriots Nation, and it is time to close the week in style here on the pod. My name is Mike DeBate, and I cover your New England Patriots for Patriot Maven of Sports Illustrated. I am also your host of the Locked On Patriots podcast, which of course is a proud part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And folks, because it's your team every day, that means your questions, comments, and feedback are always welcomed and very much encouraged. So share that feedback. Send it to the internet by reaching out to me and following me on Twitter at M-D-A-B-A-T-E-N-F-L. And while you're out there giving the weekend nod and saying how you doing to the Twitterverse, please be sure to follow the Locked On Patriots account as well at L-O underscore Patriots. Pats fans, the holiday weekend is nearly upon us, and normally Fridays would be a great time to celebrate. Patriots season about to begin a week from this Sunday, September 12th. The Patriots open the season at home against the Miami Dolphins, 425 p.m. at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough. But we begin with a heavy heart today, and of course... We've all seen the deeply saddening news that former NFL wide receiver David Patton, who won three Super Bowl titles with the Patriots, was killed in a motorcycle crash on Thursday outside Columbia, South Carolina. Patton leaves us way too soon at only 47 years of age, and he may have played for five teams over his 12-year NFL career, but he's best known for his four seasons with the Patriots from 2001 to 2004. Played his college ball at Western Carolina and was also a member of the Washington football team, New Orleans Saints, Cleveland Browns, and of course your New England Patriots. He earned three Super Bowl rings with the Pats and he actually retired as a member of the team in 2010. And losing anyone at 47 years of age is a true tragedy. And of course, anyone that had the pleasure of watching David as a fan or covering him as a member of the Patriots, most importantly, those who knew him personally are feeling this tragedy very deeply today. David Patton was a great player on the field. He was a key member of those early dynasty days for the New England Patriots. On a football field, he just always seemed to be in the right place at the right time. And that wasn't happenstance, that was by design. Especially in the 2001 season, David Patton was such a big part of what the Patriots did offensively. Whenever Tom Brady seemed to need a big play, David Patton was usually on the receiving end of it. And David was also there for Patriots quarterback Drew Bledsoe when he came in and relieved Tom Brady in the 2001 AFC Championship game. Bledsoe found Patton three times on the very first drive of the game for him when he came in and relieved Tom Brady after suffering a lower leg injury. 
He also caught the only offensive touchdown of Super Bowl 36, an eight-yard pass from Tom Brady in which David Patton made a back-diving catch. You're probably seeing that picture shared an awful lot throughout social media today, but the legacy that David Patton leaves behind goes far beyond the football field. In his post-playing career, David continued to inspire so many through his spiritual work and insight and his community service. Sam Gordon, whose management firm represented Patton, spoke to ESPN's Mike Reese earlier on Friday, and he mentioned that, David's family and friends are obviously all very heartbroken by his death, but Gordon was very careful to convey the message that David Patton's legacy is going to go far beyond the football field. And I thought this quote from Sam Gordon summed it up very well, and he says, If there is one thing I want people to know about David Patton, it's that as great a player as he was, he was a better man. And folks, that is truly the legacy that David Patton leaves behind. The world will greatly miss him, but the light that he provided will forever burn brightly. And Pats fans joining me today to help remember the legacy of David Patton, as well as to discuss the various Patriots news stories throughout the week, is my good friend, Tanya Ray Fox of FS1 and the Almost Shameless Podcast. And anytime Tanya joins the show, it's always fun, informative, and today we will reflect on David Patton, but also talk about the Patriots' decision to go with Mac Jones as the starting quarterback and what may have led to Cam Newton's release. We'll also discuss the future prospects of the New England Patriots, including Tanya's thoughts on the Patriots' ability to contend for a division title, a conference title, and dare we even say a Super Bowl title in 2021. Folks, a full agenda on the docket today. Much to talk about and to get to. So without much further ado, my good friend Tanya Ray Fox will join me here on the Locked On Patriots Hot Seat to help close your week in style when the Locked On Patriots podcast continues. Locked On listeners, it is that time of year again. All eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half million dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest 200,000 NFL survivor contest. Open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using the promo code NFL100. Locked On listeners, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait and take advantage of all of the great offers available for the 2021 season. Don't forget that when you sign up for the first time, use the promo code Locked On. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Patriots fans, we're about to take you into the holiday weekend here on Locked On Patriots. And there's always opportunities to get together, to see family, and to be able to spend time enjoying the unofficial end of summer on Labor Day weekend. But it's also time for two blue check marks to help you close out the weekend style here on the pod. One of those check marks is very, very well deserved. And I'll give you a hint, folks. It's not me. <laughs> She's one of our favorites here on the pod. Someone that is the best at providing spot on insight with razor sharp wit. 
You know her great work from platforms such as USA Today, NFL Network, NBC Sports Boston, and I'm just naming a few. She is currently providing amazing work for FS1, CLNS Media, and her podcast, The Almost Shameless Podcast, is sincerely and highly recommended by yours truly. The incomparable Tanya Ray Fox is back here on Locked On Patriots. Thank you so much for taking time out to join me today, my friend. Absolutely, Mike. And as per usual, great way to start off my weekend, a Friday morning. Uh, you know, my first day off of the week, I have my coffee in hand. And like I said, like this is, this is the way I like to kick it off. I, I can't say that there's a better way, you know, every couple, what is it, like about once a month, every six weeks or so, I get to do this. And it's, it's the absolute best. So thank you for having me on. Absolutely. It's always my honor and always my pleasure. First of all, I love being able to talk football with you. It's always a blast to do that. Um, your insight is always uh, one that I respect highly and that is always needed here on Locked On Patriots. So uh, it's always my honor and my privilege to have you on. And uh, today is no exception. I wish we were starting the day under better circumstances, Tanya, but uh, I'm sure you've seen the news as all of us have here in Patriots Nation. Uh, the tragic passing of former Patriots wide receiver David Patton at the age of 47. Uh, this one hits hard for anybody that has followed the Patriots dynasty from inception. Uh, we can all remember some of the great memories that David provided on the field. Not only in the AFC championship game, catching Drew Bledsoe's touchdown pass, Obviously, most importantly, catching Tom Brady's first touchdown pass in a Super Bowl um, in Super Bowl 36. David was just all over the field. He was such an important part of that team and that early dynasty. Um, I mentioned before we went on the air, we were talking about you know him having over 100 yards receiving in the Snow Bowl, which a lot of people forget. Everybody remembers Vinatieri's kick, and they obviously should. It was a huge moment. Uh, they remember the tuck rule, but David Patton played an intricate role in that game in helping the Patriots to victory. Also in Brady's first game, he was very integral in being able to move the chains and being able to uh, kickstart the Patriots offense under Tom Brady, a lot of great receptions. But David was truly a, a pillar of the community as well. After his playing days were done, uh, David spent so much time in spiritual and community work and he should be remembered for that as much, if not more than what he did on the field. I know this one hits you hard as well, uh, and uh, I just don't want to put you on the spot in moments like this, but if you would just share with our listeners some of your favorite memories of David Patton and how you uh, would like to see uh, this great man remembered uh, on a day where we're all, uh, you know, looking at him with a heavy heart. Yeah, I absolutely, and it's certainly not, you know, putting me on the spot. I, you know, this is definitely one of those things where it catches you off guard, you know, because I, it's been so long since, you know, since the David Patton era, but when someone plays, you know, I can't speak for people, everybody in there who was in different stages of their life from 2001 to 2004, but, you know, I was young. And so these years of watching the team and falling in love with this team and realizing that I wanted to cover sports for the rest of my life and, learning, you know, that that was like the path I wanted. It, it really began with falling in love with the Patriots. Uh, you know, first watching really my first football game was the um, Patriots Green Bay Packers Super Bowl in 1997. And then, you know, a few years later, I was old enough to really be getting into football on my own and talking about it on my own. And that was the early dynasty. It just 
coincided with really formative years of my life. So the players on that team that were important, you know, the, the Troy Brown and David Patton and Teddy Bruschi and Richard Seymour and all these guys that made up such a big part of that dynasty are really important to me. They, you know, they have this, this I have this big nostalgic love for them. And as you said, um, David Patton was a really well-loved guy. And, um, and, you know, when people talk about Brady and his career and his receivers, David Patton often gets left out of that conversation because um, he was such a sort of like low-key workhorse in an era where the defense got all the credit for, or most of the credit for, for the championships. Um, but David Patton was maybe the perfect receiver for Tom Brady, for young Tom Brady. Um, it's, I, I hope we talk about it more in remembering him. Um, I wish we had talked about it more before, but he was the absolute perfect receiver for a young Tom Brady who was a little bit stronger than people realized. A little, he had a little bit more zip on his passes than people realized, and he just needed someone to be where they needed to be. He needed to know exactly where they were going to be so he could place the ball, and that was what David Patton was so damn good at such good hands and like you said that that touchdown pass in that AFC championship game and there's all of these little moments um that I'll never I'll never forget and yeah I find myself getting you know a little bit emotional about it because um again you just get reminded like you know I even seeing all the replays of that touchdown pass in the Super Bowl the Rams Super Bowl it's just like god those moments meant so so much to me and I you want to think that you're going to appreciate these things before you lose people like this, but I guess this is the way of the world. And I hope that his um, family and the people who miss him the most are just um, find some sort of modicum of um, relief and joy in knowing how much he meant to Patriots nation. Yeah, absolutely. And you see the tributes that are pouring in now through social media, and we expect that to continue throughout the weekend, and rightfully so. And David was. He was such an integral part on that early dynasty. And I think you hit the nail on the head very perfectly, Tanya, when you said that he was really the perfect receiver for Tom Brady. Sure hands, going up, catching the quick pass that came off of either a screen or came off of play action. He was someone that was always ready to, to receive the ball because he ran routes so well. Um, you know, it, oh, he continued. He had his first two years uh, under the uh, the Brady-Belichick regime. Uh, you know, he, uh, or I should say, yeah, the Brady-Belichick regime. He was able to set career highs in, in 2001, 51 catches, 749 yards. Follows that up in 2002 with 61 catches for 824 yards. You started to see him emerge as a true force in this offense. And then, of course, 2003, going on injured reserve. He only played um, five of the, uh, the first team's first six games that season, uh, but he returned to start 11 of 16 in 2004 and continued to be a huge part. So um, from an on-field standpoint, we'll always have those memories. We'll always remember David fondly. Uh, but again, uh, the man, the person uh, was so much more than that. And the work that he did in the community, the spirituality that he showed in working with his church communities and whatnot was something that was so important to David. And that is truly going to be missed because that's the indelible part of what David Patton leaves behind. Uh, that spirit will always live on and we'll definitely miss him. But the example that he set in those areas 
is something that no one will ever to be uh, uh, no one will ever take away and rightfully so so um, condolences to he and his family and I thank you for sharing your memories uh, it's never easy to begin these podcasts talking about something like this uh, but uh, when you're talking about the legacy of a great man like David Patton uh, just the, the great memories come and the smile comes to your face even though you're hurt uh, you still remember the good times and that truly is the measure of a human being absolutely Tanya, Absolutely. And, um, you know, Tanya, the, the business of the New England Patriots will indeed move on. And we move on here today on Locked On Patriots, um, talking about what is the story of the week. Maybe not the story of the day here today on Friday, folks, but the story of the week. And that's the Patriots setting their 53-man roster, putting together a uh, practice squad for the most part. Uh, 15 of 16 of those slots have been filled. But we're being honest, the big story that everyone is talking about still is the Patriots' decision to release Cam Newton from his contract and also, in the process, naming Mac Jones as the opening day starter and the starter of this team moving forward. Um, Tanya, we've both been vocal several times, both on this podcast and, of course, on uh, yours, Almost Shameless, uh, when you graciously uh, hosted me as your guest uh, a few weeks ago. We were both of the ilk that... The Patriots were probably better off utilizing Cam Newton's strengths, his experience, his savvy, at least early on, and continuing to ride that for as long as they could to give Mac as much of a chance to develop as possible. Well, for whatever reason, things have changed in Foxborough, and the Patriots now feel that Mac is the best guy for them to start the season as the starting quarterback and then continue on. Uh, Basically, uh, what I want to do today is just kind of get your thoughts on the subject, how you reacted to hearing that news, and what do you think happened between the times that Bill Belichick said, Cam's our starter, to Cam Newton is now on the outside looking in and Mac Jones is the guy of the future? Yeah, you know, I'm, no, absolutely no shots to any of the like amazing reporting that's gone around this team. This is absolutely no one's fault. But there is still a real veil of um, uncertainty around exactly what, what happened. It, it seems like it's hard to kind of get the real uh, story out of Foxborough right now, which, again, not the first time, won't be the last. Uh, but, you know, it was, it, was a, it was a bit of a whiplash situation, right, because – after the, the final preseason game, after Cam took the opening uh, snaps, you know, started the game, and Mac looked okay, not great, but, you know, not awful by any means. He did pretty well, all things considered. The general consensus that evening and the next morning was it seems like, like Bill's really going to start Cam Newton. It looks like he's leading in this direction. It looks like Cam's the guy. And... Uh, and that had been, as you said, what Bill said repeatedly, the words, Cam is our starter. McDaniels had reiterated that um, as recently as, like, the day before. Um, so it, I'm not really sure what happened. The, there is obviously a lot of optimism regarding Cam's fit in the offense and his fit specifically with what Josh McDaniels does, which you and I talked about a little bit. Um, but – at the end of the day, it, there was definitely a either an, a, a through line throughout the season where Bill Belichick was always sort of a little bit less than honest with people about his um, thought processes as the quarterback battle went on, or something happened. And he made it clear in his press conference 
his most recent, you know, sort of comments to the media that vaccination status doesn't seem to be a huge issue for him. Um, and not that he said he was anti-vaccination or anything, but he did make it clear that in his view uh, that there, that vaccination wasn't sort of a cure-all for, you know, issues during COVID. Um, but agree to disagree in terms of the importance of vaccination. He definitely downplayed it. I don't necessarily um, agree with the way he downplayed vaccination, but that's not what this, this conversation is about. It's about whether or not we think that, that Cam Newton's availability via vac- vaccination was going to be a problem for Belichick, which I thought it might be. And I was okay with that. Um, I was okay with the idea that Max got the start because it's a competitive advantage to have a vaccinated starting quarterback. But, and it's honestly the morally, um, it's, it's a moral thing to do, to say like we want, you know, we want to have a guy out there who's the safest player for people to be around. So I was okay with that if that was the case. It doesn't appear to seem like it, that, that, that that's necessarily what it was. So it leads everybody back to that idea of um, he changed his mind or his mind had always been changed that he wanted Mac to be the starter and Cam didn't want to be the backup and asked to be released. Um, which begs the question, uh, where was the communication breakdown here? Because this is an incredibly cheap quarterback you have, a guy who would automatically become the best backup in the league if you keep him on your roster and you just let him go. And this isn't Belichick's first rodeo with Cam. You know, this, he brought Cam back specifically because they have a, the kind of relationship that they do and the kind of communication they do. And, I, you know, I, I got to be honest, Mike, I don't have a ton of clarity here. It does, it is a little bit confusing to me because all of the, the innocent explanations, or not innocent, but the more obvious explanations for what happened, uh, they all have caveats and, and can pretty, and can sort of be broken down into like, well, that's why this doesn't make any sense. So I'm left just sort of with the realization that I think something went on behind the scenes for Belichick where he said, listen, it's time we just rip the Band-Aid off and just go all in on Mac. What the catalyst was, I have no idea. Yeah, and I think that's something that we may never really know for absolute certainty. What exactly was the final catalyst to push this over the edge? I will say this in Mac's favor. Uh, when I've had the opportunity to view him in practice, and I had the opportunity to view him in practice a lot this offseason and this preseason, watching him come together, especially in joint practices against the Giants, Mac continued to show improvement each and every day on the field. He continued to show a command in this offense that I haven't seen in a rookie quarterback in quite some time. Now, that's not to say that he's going to be the most prolific rookie of all time or that he's going to lead the Patriots to great heights or a Super Bowl in his first year. I think those are unrealistic expectations. And anybody that takes a temperate approach at what the Patriots are going to do this year would probably agree with that. But for all of the talk that the Patriots were going to revamp their offense or redesign their offense to suit Cam Newton's strengths, to be honest, Tanya, the Patriots never really did that. They all they right. continued to operate under that timing-based system that was predicated on, uh, you know, vertical routes that were completed by quick, accurate throws. Uh, you know, the quarterback processing the play very quickly and getting the ball out of his hands very quickly. I thought Cam did a much better job of operating in that offense this year as opposed to last. He looked more comfortable. His shoulder was stronger. His footwork seemed to be more crisp. Uh, he seemed to get grasp 
the, uh, the concept of this offense a little bit better. But that being said, Mac just fits that mold so well. And I think those three days that Cam missed in between with the five-day cadence period did provide Mac Jones with the opportunity to show this Patriots team what he can do, especially in uh, a, a joint practice setting with the New York Giants. He was very impressive in that Wednesday practice. Really, uh, I think, uh, made some uh, great strides there. So in a lot of ways, I think it was that moment that essentially won Mac Jones the job. Now, with regard to the vaccine, uh, you know, Bill Belichick will say all he wants to know it didn't have an effect. But when you're a starting quarterback of an NFL team, and there is any type of doubt as to whether or not your availability is going to be something that the team can absolutely count on each and every week, barring injury, that's a distraction that I think maybe Bill did not want to go into the season with. So in that regard, I do think it factored in. I don't think it was the major factor. I don't think it was the deciding factor in cutting Cam loose, but that did have some sort of an effect. And in regards to your point on him being a very inexpensive backup and one of the most prolific backups in the league, you're absolutely right. But if you're going to start a rookie, especially someone like Mac Jones, who's coming in with a lot of expectations, and for whatever reason he has those expectations, maybe you know the media that puts those on him and maybe the fans, regardless, those are high expectations. You're coming in here to succeed a legend in Tom Brady. Even though Cam took the ball last year, you're still looked at and that number 10 is going to be in the shadow of number 12 until he proves he can out uh, you know maneuver or or really make the team his own he's not going to eclipse tom there's no question about it but you know he, that's going to always loom large what could also loom large is having a quarterback with an impressive resume like cam newton looking over his shoulder not that cam's going to do it like that he's not going to be um you know in uh you know anybody's face in terms of saying here i am i'm going to take your job but it does loom large. And lastly, I think Cam Newton at 32 years of age is still proven that he can be an effective quarterback in this league. Maybe there's an element of him that doesn't want to be a backup that wants to go into a situation where he knows he has a decent chance to start. So a lot, a lot to digest. Yeah. And, uh, I, the, the, yeah. One thing that still, the one thing that still gets me though, is, is I, you know, I, I would see, it's just hard to see Belichick as someone who doesn't want their rookie to, have the pressure of, you know, of really playing every game, knowing that there's a, a there's a suitable backup behind him. I mean, right now there's no there's just no other option if if Mac doesn't you know if Mac struggles this season, and it's just it's just is a little it's a little unBelichickian to to refuse depth, um, or you know to not have that next man up mentality even at the quarterback position. He was drafting quarterbacks and had, I mean, he had Garoppolo up Brady's butt for a little while there just to see what happened. I mean, this is, you know, and so it's, there's that. And there's also Mike, I don't know, you tell me if he had, if Mac had really made those strides in that giant practice, which by all accounts he did. And I fully believe the reporting on that from you and from the other beat reporters, why start cam in that preseason game against the giant starters when you have a, a few opportunities to get Mac really meaningful reps against uh, first-team starters. Yeah, I mean, that's a 
definitely a fair point. And to your point, I think in a lot of ways, there is still a competition that's going on. I don't necessarily think that it tipped the scales or made the final decision there, but it did, I should say, tip the scales in Mac's favor. And Mac's performance in that game against the Giants, I think probably showed that he can get the job done against some of the ones that he was in there with. Uh, but he did take a good amount of snaps against the ones in, uh, on Wednesday as well. So again, yeah, a true. lot of... Again, a lot of opportunities, uh, you know, for both uh, quarterbacks at this point. Um, Cam obviously coming in with, uh, with, you know, the greater resume, and they knew what the, what Cam could do. I think they wanted to see what Mac was capable of. And in a lot of ways, I think that the Patriots just made a decision that they felt was going to be best for the football team. And, folks, there's no question about it. Tanya Ray Fox and I have had our um, opinions shared very prominently on this subject. but. There's future implications for the New England Patriots as well, starting with Sunday's game a week from Sunday, September 12th, against the Miami Dolphins, the season opener at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts. What type of impact is this going to have on the Patriots for that game, and what impact might it have on the Patriots of the future? And, of course, we'll get Tanya's thoughts on what the full outlook of the full Patriots roster means for the team in New England this season. More with Tanya Ray Fox of FS1 when this episode of the Locked On Patriots podcast continues. Locked On listeners, Built Bar, the most delicious, healthy protein bar you've ever tried, has so many delicious flavors. There's something for everyone. And when you talk to a Built Bar fan, and I have folks, believe me when I tell you, there are a lot of you out there, they are passionate about their favorites. If you don't know about the Built Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. But the best part of Built Bar is not even just the delicious flavors they provide. It's the fact that in addition to them being delicious, they're also one of the most healthy treats available today. Each Built Bar has between 17 and 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180 calories per bar, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, and all healthy. Flavors like coconut, cherry barcia, love that name, mint brownie, double chocolate, cookies and cream, and so much more. When you want a treat that's not only pleasing to your palate, but also great for your health, don't delay, do it today. Make Built Bar your go-to protein bar right now. Visit Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Pets fans, Tanya Ray Fox of FS1 and the Almost Shameless Podcast joins me here to close the week in style on Locked On Patriots. And Tanya, we always have a lot to talk about, obviously starting the podcast today, talking about the tragic death of David Patton, then going into a huge story throughout the NFL, which basically has been the story in the NFL this week. And that's the Patriots decision to go with Mac Jones over Cam Newton. And Cam's going to be missed up here in New England. There's no question about it. You've heard so many of his teammates talk about the infectious energy that he brings to the table each and every day. Um, just the work ethic and him being such a great teammate. I went on record on Tuesday here on Locked On Patriots by saying that I don't think the Patriots could have asked anything more from Cam Newton than what he gave to them, both on the field, in the locker room, and in terms of leadership uh, abilities. He really was second to none, and I'll always have the utmost respect for him for the way he handled the situation and came in 
really, uh, you know, tasked with succeeding a legend. And I don't think anyone could have done it with the class and the proficiency that Cam Newton did. But that being said, the Mac Jones era has begun here in New England. And because the Mac Jones era has begun here in New England, it's now time for us to look at what this team may look like under Mac Jones. When you look at this team from top to bottom, especially the offense, um, they're going to be facing a tough task right off the bat. Now, Tanya, they're facing a defense that's led by a player, uh, by a former coach, I should say, that knows these players very well in Brian Flores. How much of how much pressure is there going to be on Mac to succeed right off the bat, knowing that this team has the capability of stringing together some wins? If they falter early, things could get ugly in Foxborough. How do you think Mac is situated to handle this kind of pressure? Well, the good thing about Mac and something that I definitely underestimated about him, um, you know, even during the draft process, I was very vocal about not wanting them to draft Mac just because of the physical limitations I saw. But, um, you know, I'm also not precious. Like, I'm perfectly happy to be wrong. And, and something that I've noticed about Mac is that he just is genuinely um, not if – he is, if he is under pressure, he doesn't show it. And he doesn't seem to get super rattled. Now, that has been in preseason and training camp. In a real game against a real NFL defense and a coach like Brian Flores, who is so familiar with what the Patriots and Josh McDaniels do, that is an, a totally different ball game, quite literally. Um, and, you know, there's a ton of pressure on Mac to be able to handle it because they're going to play that team again later. You know, and this is a team that they're going to continue to face. And Brian Flores is a is a coach they're going to continue to face. And let's face it, he, he, he is not the only former Patriots coach in the league. <laughs> you know, he's not the only former Patriots player coaching. I mean, there's just a lot of people who understand what Belichick and Mo Josh McDaniels do from inside the locker room and from outside as well. That's what happens when you have a, a, a team that's been together with the same coach for 20 years. You have to stay on, you know, you have to stay fresh. So, you know, I don't, as, you know, Mac's going to feel pressure. There's no way around that. And he has to step up to the – he has to rise to the occasion early. Like, I, he, he's being – there's a lot being asked of him. And even if he falters early, I'm not going to lose faith in him. It's a matter of whether or not uh, we – they, can, as you said, can recover from it. Because it's a long season. They have those Bills games sort of stacked at the back end of the season. It's just a – there's – they've got the, the Brady game three weeks later – in Gillette, like any sort of uh, mental hit he takes early will be a problem. And so I, but I don't put it on, on Mac as much as at this point, I put it on Josh McDaniels. You know, Josh is really familiar with what Brian Flores can do and with their, the people that they've got personnel wise on their defense. And it's important that, you know, again, I, it, we've put this pressure on Josh in the past and I feel like he really dropped the ball last season um, I give him a pass because of COVID and being without Tom Brady and all of a sudden you've got Cam Newton. It's a totally different thing. But it's on Josh to really take advantage of, uh, of some different opportunities with the personnel they have this year and giving Mac as much of a safety blanket as he possibly can and then watching how Mac execute, executes that within Josh's play calling and in his offensive system in that game. Because it's, there is no two ways around it. That defense is coming for Mac. 
They're coming at that offensive line. Those cornerbacks are going to be tough. Our guy, Jason McCourty on that team, coaching them up. It's a real, it's a real problem. And, um, and Max can only do so much with what Josh McDaniels gives him as a rookie. And that's what I'll be really looking for. Good point. Very, very good point in terms of, and I'm glad you mentioned Jason McCourty because now that we're going to start getting amped up into Dolphins week here, J-Mac is someone that can definitely give a lot of insight as to what Josh McDaniels likes to do offensively, the tendencies that he has. He's played on these teams, not just with Cam Newton last year, but he's played with Tom Brady and a lot of media, a lot of fans are drawing comparisons between the way Mac handles this offense to the way Tom handles this offense. Again, they're not completely like for like players, far from from it, but there are similarities in the way these guys operate. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how Mac is going to be able to counteract that. Uh, what type of tricks he has in his you know rookie bag of tricks right now uh, that's going to give him the ability to do it. One thing I will say that gives me a little bit of solace when it comes to Mac starting the season and being the guy under center now is you hear so many of the defensive backs go out of their way to praise him. We talked to JC Jackson yesterday. We talked to Jalen Mills uh, in the past, and they've detected a readiness in Mac Jones that they say is something they haven't seen in too many rookie quarterbacks and things that will surprise uh, you know players throughout the league about how ready this guy really is to be able to dissect the defense some of that is posturing I do recognize that uh, but for them to go out of their way and even say these things when they're not prodded or not questioned is something that is worth at least keeping a sharp eye on folks. So Tanya, I always appreciate your insight because you always give us things to look for uh, that maybe some of the rose colored glasses that we might be looking at Mac Jones with now uh, needs to be kind of brought back down to earth a little bit. And you've been very complimentary in his style as well. So I think it's gonna be interesting and to see how the Patriots come out and really attack this season right off the bat. Uh, to me, I think there's going to be a lot that uh, that Patriots fans are really going to enjoy watching and maybe some things that uh, might be of a concern initially as well. Before I let you go today, my friend, uh, Mac Jones and Cam Newton, the whole quarterback situation was not the only story in New England this week at set their 53 man roster, setting the practice squad. And there's a lot of improvement on a lot of different areas on this team. Putting the quarterback aside, what are you going to be watching for in the first couple of weeks of the season in terms of the Patriots' improvements, where they may still need a little bit of a tweak, and what's your overall outlook for the Pats as they get ready to start the 2021 season? Uh, ever since they've, you know, since Mac is now the starter, my focus and looking at the team and what they need to do this season has led me to the defense. And I, you know, I, I, I put out some stats earlier this week, and it's something I've really been trying to dig a little deeper on, which is, you know, what, how rookies succeed in their first year and under what conditions, right? You know, where did they come from? How much color, college experience did they have entering their rookie season? And if they did win and make the playoffs, um, did they win a game? And if they did, you know, what, under what circumstances? And really the answer here, it comes down to two things. If you've got a, a rookie who played prolifically in college, uh, they can come into the league and lead a, a, an above average team to a playoff appearance. Um, they're not going to – they usually don't win games. Rookie quarterbacks just don't win games. Uh, ben Roethlisberger and Mark Sanchez are really the guys that when they had won playoff games 
uh, as rookies that we can, you know, kind of look to, right? Um, but the guys who come in uh, and have top one, two, three, four defenses, those are the guys who are most likely set up to win a playoff game. Andy Dalton had a top four defense when he went when he got to the playoffs as a rookie. Mark Sanchez had the best defense in the league. We remember that. Ben Roethlisberger had the like second or third best defense in the league when he made the playoffs in, in his rookie year and then went on to win the Super Bowl. Um, that is going to be the most important thing to this team. There's no question about it. If the a defense, and I'm not saying the defense has to be good. I'm saying the defense has to be elite for this team to make the playoffs. Um, and if they want to win a game, it's even more important, you know, a, a playoff game. So that is where all my focus is. And the defense has improved, in my opinion, over, la- over last year overall, and they were good last year, really good. Um, the problem is they cannot be elite without Stephon Gilmore. And I know they're going to be without him early on anyway, but, that, but in, for order them, I, I, I cannot stress this enough, in order for them to make a real run and if that's what people want out of the season, if they're hoping, which it's okay to hope that they are able to make the playoffs with a rookie quarterback, it is not unprecedented. It's just hard. But if they're going to do it, they have got to be elite. And in my opinion, they have got to plug that hole at, quarter, at cornerback because they've shored up a lot of the defensive line. The linebackers look good. The young linebackers look good. I love what Josh Uche looks like. Matt Judon has been a perfect fit. Like there's all these pieces coming together. But those cornerbacks are the are the final piece to the puzzle in terms of building an, a a defense that could be top, you know, four or five in the league. And you know, we know the offensive line is good. Mac is not going to be he's not going to light things up like Robert Griffin the third or anything like that. He's going to be a system quarterback. So I think they have the offense that's going to give him the chance to do that. I'm not particularly worried about the offense because they're not going to be what gets this team to the playoffs if that's what they're looking to do, which it is because Bill Belichick spent $150 million in the offseason. Like, that's what they're trying to do. Uh, So that is, if you are listening to me right now, if you have never liked a single thing I've ever said, please listen to me right now. This defense has to be great. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And look, for all of the excitement that's surrounding Mac Jones right now, this is going to be an offense that is predicated Yes, on the vertical throws, like I said, you know, completing quick, accurate, getting the ball out on time, finding the receiver in stride, that's going to be a big part of their passing offense, but they are going to run the ball. There's no question about it. Damian Harris is capable of doing that. You look at James White, still one of the best third down backs and pass catching backs out of the backfield in the game. Ramondre Stevenson taking huge steps. I don't believe he's going to be a red shirt. I think he becomes a huge part of this uh, offense. J.J. Taylor, Brandon Bolden, they've got run that are capable of doing that they've got the 12-man personnel and John o. Smith and Hunter Henry provided these guys are healthy folks that 12-man personnel coming out of play action is going to open up a lot of doors so the offense will be efficient and they'll put points on the board more so than they did in 2020 because they have more at their disposal but this defense is what is going to carry this team this year particularly that front seven. And Tanya, I can tell you from personal experience and having watched this front seven come together in training camp, in joint practices, and in the preseason, 
I think they have the capabilities to be that elite defense that you're talking about. This is a team now that is capable of stopping the run. They're capable of setting the edge, which will facilitate them to stop the run. They have so many weapons to be able to do it at their disposal, not just with Lawrence Guy coming back and anchoring the middle part, but Devon Godchow being in the middle of that defense is such an important part of what this team likes to do. That dedicated nose tackle that can be that run stuffer and that anchoring force. Now you add Henry Anderson into the mix. Now you're getting an improved uh, Dietrich Wise Jr. Uh, you're looking at someone in Chase Winovich that has steps to take. He has got to funnel those run plays in through the middle. Had difficulty doing that, I think because he had, didn't have a whole lot of uh, help on his uh, side last year. I think he has that this year, and that will make him capable. Then you go back and you take a look at the linebackers. And now Dante Hightower is back. Kyle Van Noy is back in this defense. Uh, that 3-4 that they love to play in 2019 will be even more formidable with a guy like Matt Judon added into the mix. Um, there's so much that can be, uh, you know, there's so much to like about this defense. I haven't even mentioned guys like Christian Barmore and Ronnie Perkins as rookies and the contributions they'll make. Josh Uche about to make that next step. He looks like a young, dynamic pass rusher in the making. So that's going to be the difference. The Achilles heel is the defensive backfield, particularly outside corner right now, Tanya. You articulated that perfectly. That's going to be a concern for me until Stefan comes back. So is it going to be Jawan Williams that steps up? Is it going to be Sean Wade that steps up? I think Jalen Mills may be ready to, to play a bigger role there. But ultimately, that if there's a concern on the defense right now, that is it. And it could be a big one because, I mean, the secondary needs to step up and play with the same fervor that the front seven. What a difference from a year ago uh, when we talked about the secondary as the strength of this team. The defensive front maybe being a little bit weak when it came to the Patriots desires. So what can I say, my friend? I, I thank you for taking time out, especially on the West Coast, for coming and joining me today on a big day for Patriots Nation and lending your wisdom and counsel and expert analysis the way only you can before I let you go, please let all of our listeners know where they can find you, your great work, and what you have coming up on the horizon from the great voice and the great pen of Tanya Ray Fox. All right. Well, yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tanya Ray Fox. Um, and the, the podcast feed is at Shameless TRS. I do, I've been doing my podcast weekly, and that is going up on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. It also goes out on YouTube. Um, CLNS puts together the, you know, I do it on video. And so there's video of the podcast itself and a new episode drops tomorrow. So both on podcast and on YouTube, however you prefer to listen and or watch, um, that's coming out. And there'll be uh, a little bit more stuff for me, uh, Patriots-wise, uh, throughout the season, you know, with CLNS, both on Shameless, uh, Almost Shameless, and, and with other um, – shows just doing more of that coverage with clns and on twitter and all that stuff so the content just keeps ramping up so just keep an eye out for it i'm always tweeting in and putting it out there for everybody to find it's super easy and uh so follow me and you'll be able to always keep up absolutely and folks i tell you as a personal fan of tanya's work uh it's always informative 
coverage that you can count on to be honest. And that's something that I admire so much about you, my friend. And I always thank you for coming on and lending your wisdom, your counsel, and your insight and your opinions here on Locked On Patriots. And uh, I look to continue uh, to, uh, to talk with you throughout the season regarding the Patriots' progress and what we see from this team in the future. But in the meantime, please stay safe, stay well, and we look forward to having you back here on Locked On Patriots again very soon. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Mike. It was my pleasure, and I look forward to talking with you again. Absolutely. Pleasure is all mine, as always. And so, Patriots fans, we put a bow on the week that was here on the Locked On Patriots podcast. And now it's time to turn our attention to the Miami Dolphins and the week one season opener a week from this coming Sunday, September 12th, 2021, 425 p.m. The Pats take on the Dolphins at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts. And here on Locked On Patriots, we'll have you covered for all the news, notes, and analysis you could possibly need. So to ensure that you do not miss a single second of the action, Download, subscribe to, and follow the Locked On Patriots podcast on platforms such as Spotify, the Odyssey app, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Just make sure that you are staying locked in to Locked On Patriots. Once again, my name is Mike DeBate. I thank my good friend Tanya Ray Fox for her time, her insight, and her appearance on today's pod. But most of all, I thank you so much for listening and for continuing to make Locked On Patriots a daily part of your New England Patriots coverage. Until next week, Foxborough faithful, stay safe, stay well, be the change you wish to see in the world. Have a great weekend, everyone.